God, this lockdown. I know. Ugh. We haven't recorded in like four and a half months. I So I was listening to the podcast today just to remind myself of what it what, is. What did we last do? I listened to it. What was it? It was. Oh, I don't even know. That's terrible. I list, I just listened to it today. <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah, I'm going to look it up. Jesus. And I listened to the Jukebox mixtape. Is that what it was? Jukebox musicals? That was our last mixtape. Interesting. I have no memory of it. It's just so long ago. Also, you are pregnant. Yes. Hi, Rich. Hi, Josephine. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Moderately well. Um, I can't believe we're recording. Yeah, we're recording the podcast, My Favourite Musical. Guys, you, it's a new episode. <laughs> it is. It's episode 50. It's episode 50. It's also October. We wanted to really give this episode the time and space it deserved. <laughs> we really just, research. We decided it, um, it couldn't be done over Zoom. <laughs> Yeah, so um, for those who don't know, we live in New South Wales and New South Wales has been in a really full-on lockdown. Yeah. Up until very recently, we were not able to see each other. This is the first time Josephine has been to my house That's in right. four and a half months. Yes, so we we could have probably recorded over Zoom as a lot of other podcasts do, but we didn't want to because part of the magic is that we, we lie in quite a passionate embrace while we record this That's podcast. That's right, exactly. That and like everyone's mental health obviously took a bit of a hit during this lockdown yes so it was just one of those things that was like too hard basket yeah it really was yeah yeah but now we're here oh it's good to be back yeah this is my favorite musical do you have any news for us uh yeah that's the other thing this didn't happen in lockdown but the last time we recorded i was i don't know a few months pregnant now (laughs) i'm very pregnant and the, you keep saying this, but there is not like you're pregnant or you're not pregnant. Okay, I know what you're saying. <laughs> I'm very far along. Uh, by the time, well, this episode's coming out quite soon, so I'm like almost 36 weeks pregnant. That's so exciting. Yeah. So you know, I just felt the baby kick. Yes, Josephine just felt the baby kick, which is very exciting. It was actually really weird. Was it? Well, I've never felt that before. Ah, interesting. Hmm. Um, so yeah, um, I'm having a baby soon. Yay! Yeah, so that's, that's exciting. It is exciting. Yeah, yeah. And it will be forced to love musicals. Well, yes. Yeah, that's that's. Andrew will balance it out. I feel with hating them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It will be surrounded by musicals, though. Yeah. Yeah. Did you um did you have any notes for like stuff that happened in musical <laughs> theater in the last four and a half months? Well, I mean, nothing happened in my world in musical theater, but lots happened in the in the yeah. global world. Like Broadway is is back, baby. Broadway's back, West End's back in yeah. that time. In it's, fact, it, it's been quite weird at work because yeah. it's like there's been no shows on in Australia. Mm. Um Hamilton and Come From Away start again this week. Yeah. Um there was like the odd show that was allowed to play in like Brisbane or yeah. Perth, which was sort of funny but sydney and melbourne have basically been in lockdown this entire time Mm. since june and um but yeah and then in that time the west end has taken off again broadway has taken off again we've had the tonys from two years ago yes god it was actually like i expected this to happen while we were out and you know yeah it's just been really weird seeing the rest of the world open up while we are i know yeah 
I know. Yeah. Look, and, I could make a lot of political commentary, but I'm not going and to. And everyone's handled it very differently, like very the going differently. back to the theatre, you know, like in New York you have to be fully vaccinated, wear masks, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. The UK is not like that. Yeah. Um, some shows have vaccine mandates, but not all of them. Masks are not compulsory. Wow, that's crazy. I know. So it's just, it's just really interesting. I, I think in Australia, so when the shows reopen this week, um, the ones that are reopening, vaccines are compulsory and yeah. – also, there's a mask mandate. Yeah, good. Whether that will change um, once sort of the general uh, – that's the case of a lot of things at the moment. Mm. Uh, whether that will change, you know, come December when the world when Australia continues to open up. Mm. Who knows? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I just feel like the appetite for – you know, only opening up for vaccinated people will only sort of increase between now and December 1. So yeah. I feel like a lot of these places, even though they might not have to, will impose some sort of mandate. Well, certainly to begin with. Yeah, yeah. and I definitely support that. Like I, yeah. Absolutely. I jo- well, Josephine really and be... I couldn't be recording right now if we weren't both vaccinated. That's right. So we're only recording because we're fully vaccinated. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I'm i sort of like I'm going back to work face-to-face tomorrow and there will be some people I will see at work who are not vaccinated because I teach children. Yeah. And at the moment some of them are not even eligible to yeah. be vaccinated and that does make me a little bit anxious. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be honest because I live part-time with a person who is not vaccinated because yeah. they can't be. So. That's right. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a big um, new world in Australia at the moment. Yeah. Um, and, of course, um, yeah, it's like I, the other thing I'm really worried about is how they're going to treat once someone you close to you test positive for yeah, COVID. Yeah, it'll be interesting because yeah. that will inevitably happen. And that really paralysed the West End for a while. Yeah. Uh, they called it the ping-demic was the sort of the, the sort of slang term for it. But basically if your phone was near someone else's phone and they tested positive, it would ping your phone. Yes. Um, and you would be considered a close contact and have to isolate for 10 days or whatever. Jesus. And it just sort of shows had to shut down for long periods of time and all yeah. this. That's not the, the rule anymore. Now it's only if you test positive as well, like you have to isolate. But we've seen it happen a little bit in New York. Aladdin had yeah, to shut Aladdin down shut for down. 10 days. Yeah. And yeah so it's I, just going to be an ongoing battle, I exactly. reckon, like for a little while longer. Yeah. So yeah. I do think that that will start to happen in Australia. Yeah. Um, right now the rule is if you test positive, you have to isolate for seven days. Yeah. Sorry, if, if, a, if a close contact of yours, if you're fully vaccinated, test positive, you have to isolate for seven days. Yeah. And I think that that will affect shows here definitely i mean think how many close contacts there'll be for if you're in a show with someone oh yeah i mean everyone in a show would be a close contact and so i think that's going to affect not just professional theater but like amateur theater like you know touring of all sorts yeah it's it's going to be really it'll be interesting because yeah i hope there's just a bit of flexibility with theaters and with um yeah Anyway, yeah, it's it happened bit... to us like our T-shirt supplier in the UK oh, really? had to shut down for a week because too many people were close contacts. Yeah. So the factory couldn't, they couldn't run. run. Shit. Yeah, so that like it's one of those things and um, it's going to affect all manner of industries mm. in that way. Yeah, it, it just sort of frustrates me with a lot of rhetoric from people who maybe are not as um, au fait with all of that, that like we should just open up and yeah. maybe not understanding the full ramifications of, of exactly. the disruptions. Like, yeah. Yeah, and what's better to be locked down for a while or to constantly be well and of course and in Australia we had COVID zero for so long yeah. that now – so many people are going to get it. Yes. Like that's the other thing. Like we, we have, no, no, you know, we don't know anyone really super personally who's had yeah, COVID in Australia. Right. Whereas, you know, I talk to all of our um, colleagues and clients overseas and they they've all, all had it. Yeah, that's right. Some of them, lots of them have had it twice, yeah. you know. And yeah. so, yeah, it's going to be. 
It'll be a very different world for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lots of movies have come out. Yes. In this time. And are still about to come out. Yes. This is the time. So I still haven't seen Come From Away. Oh, you've got to. Well, I'm I'm making Shane because I was – I've been saying it for weeks and weeks and he's like, yes, 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 we'll get to it. But then he made me watch Indiana Jones again, which was totally <laughs> fine. But um, we will. I'm so excited for it. Yeah. I just love that there's another, like, a pro shot. And I, honestly, like, I'm just all about the pro shots. Yes. I just so much prefer them to an actual film, to oh, be honest. 100%. Um, having said that, I am exver- I'm very excited for the two films that are yet to come out this year. West Side and Tick, Tick, Boom. Yes. yes. And I, do, I actually think, like, that the most recent Tick, Tick, Boom trailer that came out. How good, well, right? Andrew's excited about yeah. it. And he hates Ray. Yeah, but Lynn is directing it. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's like it looks like a good film. I also feel like Tick, Tick, Boom just lends itself much better to it because it's a smaller story. Well, and it was created. Like, it's not like Jonathan was the one who wrote yeah, the show. that's right. So there's a lot more license to just sort of almost turn it into a biopic about his exactly, life. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so very excited for that. Yeah, and also it just the casting looks so bitching and anything that Bradley Whitford is in is just like, that's enough for me. <laughs> it's Bradley Whitford as 80s sometimes. Oh, my God. <laughs> so good. It's just like I could not in my wildest, most torrid fantasies have dreamed that up. Like I'm, yeah. I'm not even capable of thinking of that level of sexual No, that is like your, like, that is like, yeah, if I had to write a sex dream... <laughs> For Josephine, it would be Bradley Whitford as, as Stephen Sondheim. Sondheim. Stephen Sondheim at the time he wrote Sunday in the Park with George. Oh my god! Or oh, did you see what? Where did or where did I see? It was like the anniversary of the closing of Sunday in the Park with oh, George or something. Yeah. yeah, all these anyway. Lots of pictures. Yeah. Um, I also just wanted to mention. I didn't know that this was happening, but there's a film that came out. I think it was like maybe two days ago. Um, that. Cynthia Erivo and Leslie Odom Jr. in. Okay. So, Needle in a Time Stack. <laughs> which is the worst title for a film. It's the worst title. But the, this trailer looks quite good. It does, right? Yes. And, I mean, those two. I did see this tweet, though, that was like, you'll spend the entire film wishing that they would sing and they oh, don't. No. Like, Well, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, just a, it's just a Hollywood film. It's a sci-fi film. Yeah. So it's based on a, a, a short story yeah. or whatever that is called Needle in a Time Stack. But yeah. It does sound like I read a thing that was like it sounds like a 30 Rock made-up title. It does, doesn't, doesn't it? it? Yeah. It sounds like sort of like this hoedown. I don't know. It, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But, I like, it. yeah, it looks really good. Yes. I don't know where we'll be able to see it. So it was out on the 15th of October and I don't know where we'll like, oh, access okay. it yet. Yeah. We, that wasn't made clear. But, um, yeah, I'm excited for it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that looks good. Well, but, those two guys. But, yeah, um, Come From Away, the pro shot came yeah. out on Apple TV+. Plus. Yeah. Um, Everybody's talking about Jamie came out on Amazon Prime, yes, which is good. I, I if you haven't seen it, no, I definitely I encourage yet. you to watch it. Um, I, uh, I, I'm gonna write that down in my notes. Yeah, do it. I, uh, I enjoy. I somewhat enjoyed the show when I saw it in London. I have to say, it's one of the first times that I've really had the seat. I was sitting in the front row, and it. It's not a good theatre to sit in the front row. And I was oh. really having to crane my neck. Oh, I hate that. And I ended up moving for the second act. But I actually think it, it did impede on my enjoyment of the show. I think that is like a complete trip. Yeah. Like the number of times because I'm very cheap, I'll buy the shittiest seats and then be like, what the fuck was I thinking? Yeah. Like I, I can't it see it. Even been like, yeah, like it was like a special because it was in the front row kind of thing. Yeah. But I do think this worked quite well as a film. And, yeah, I, and okay. I thought I thought it was a good adaptation to a All film. Right. Yeah. I will watch it. Yeah, it's worth watching. Well, so with Come From Away, like after after you took me to see it yeah. in um, Sydney, I was raving about it to a few friends and one friend in particular is a like we share musical theatre, we have that in common. And um, 
she, when I told her about it, she was like, I just don't want to watch a musical about 9-11. And, yeah. And I'm sick of all the, and she went on this big rant. She was like, I'm sick of these American stories coming to Australia. Like we've got Hamilton, we've got Come From Away. I'm so sick of them. And then I was talking to her the other day and she said, I watched Come From Away. I'm like, oh, yeah. And she just loved, loved it. Loved it. Amazing. She's also a drama teacher. So she was like, this is the perfect study of yes, like verbatim, it's verbatim. And, verbatim it's, and she's like, it's such a perfect piece of everything about drama. And it's just like, it's yeah. so joyful and, and it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you can, for our comments, you can refer back to the many times we've spoken about it in the past. And but. interestingly enough, so Come From Away has the same director and choreographer as the Diana musical. Oh, that has <laughs> good also, segue. Yeah. That has also just appeared on Netflix. And that is one of those ones where you go, how like (laughs) how it is i have to say everyone if you haven't watched it it's so fun yeah like it is like like it is it is like watching a like rocky horror like it's like that kind of yeah you you think like you can't be taking this seriously right but unfortunately i think they are yeah um, so I stopped after about 15 minutes because I because I, I, I thought felt the same as you I was like no this is just a bit of fun but I knew that they didn't think it was fun yeah and I just don't have enough time in my life yes do you know <laughs> I know what you're saying I think that uh, it'll be really interesting to see what happens like if it opens on Broadway normally etc cetera, etc cetera, given yeah. the response that it's had yeah uh, yeah, I just... It's sad. Yeah. I mean, I, look, it's on Netflix. It's very accessible. I mean, more people will have seen it than we ever would have. And honestly, like, kudos for them for getting a Netflix deal. I know, right? I just... Uh, the thing that I think is upsetting is that I think a lot of people watch that and go, this is what musical theatre is. Yeah. And, again, it's that thing of people treat musical theatre like it's a genre mm. and not like it's an art, like it's That's its, right. its own art That's form right. kind of thing that has many different genres within it. Yeah. And I ju- thought the same thing. I was like, obviously there's all this Diana stuff happening at the moment, you know, after the crown and, and like people will watch it and it's, it's not the thing that they should watch. Yeah. They shouldn't be watching this. I know. Yeah. And there were so many things that like, I'm not like the biggest sort of Royal family, like nerd or no. anything like that, but um, you're wrong about covered um, Princess yeah, they Diana, did that and so I learned a lot about her in that series. Definitely listen to that podcast. Yes. We've, defi- we've talked we've about talked it, about but it yeah, so many if you're times. interested in Princess Diana, their breakdown of it is really good. Yeah, it's really good. And there was so much I learned in that that like wasn't covered at all in the musical, or at least not like sort of made a point of. Yeah, and it was a shame because yeah. I, they, they, those were the things I think are interesting about them as a it's couple. It's a fascinating and, story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that was a bit of a shame. <laughs> um, and of course the Dear Evan Hansen movie has not come out in Australia yet. No. Uh, it has come out in the States. Um, there was a screener floating around, which I may have watched. <gasps> Ruth Tiffin. I'm sorry. Oh my and gosh. It's um, yeah, I have lots of opinions. I, um, I reckon you should hold them for a bit. Yeah. But I think we know now, just hearing what you've just said, yeah. what your opinions are. Yeah, we'll talk about it once it's come out in Australia. Yeah. Look, I actually had those opinions before I even saw the trailer. So <laughs> <laughs> You went in with a very preconceived notion. Which is not like me at all. No, never. <laughs> Didn't happen with Come From Way at all. No. No. I was open-minded enough to change that. Thank you, Ruth. Absolutely. And, man, I love Come From Away. <laughs> <laughs> and the only other thing 
I wanted to link to, which I wrote down like pre-lockdown. Oh, I wrote yeah. this in my notes. Jennifer Nettles re- released a new album some oh. months ago, which is all like country covers of show tunes. Must have been many months ago. Yeah, well, I, wrote, I remember when it happened. Yeah, it's a um, really good anyway, album. I'm linking to that because I think it's great. Yeah, I highly recommend. Yeah, and she's about to step into, or maybe already has stepped into, Waitress as Jenna. Yeah, nice. Yeah, replacing Ooh. Sarah Bareilles. Should we talk about Funny Girl? Oh, yes. I'd forgotten that news until just then. Oh, and that was our last episode that came out That's as well, right. wasn't it? So it's been so long since that news was announced. But Funny Girl is, and we talked about this in the episode, Yeah, Funny Girl is coming back to Broadway. Yes, with Beanie Feldstein Such as... Such good casting. ...as, as the uh, Fanny titular role. Mm-hmm. Do you know that from um, yes. Lady Bird? It's the titular role. I love that. <laughs> I love Beanie Feldstein. Yeah. I'm currently watching the impeachment American crime story, which oh, is amazing. Yes. She's very good as Monica Lewinsky. Um, yeah, so very keen for her to play. And opposite my sweet rum in. Yes, sweet rum in. Yeah. An interesting casting choice in my head, but I love that idea actually of rum in. Yeah, being... I think he'll be great. Oh yeah, I'm sure he will. Yeah. But um it's very exciting. It's just funny because the last time we talked, we talked about how it's really sad they haven't done yes. and it... all sort of every time they've redone it, they've had multiple fannies. Yes. So it's gonna be exciting to see a full full representation yeah. of, of funny girl absolutely I yeah think, i think she's gonna be great she will be perfect yes i'm really excited for it and all the like key art and everything is like great and old-fashioned and, yeah it's yeah. gonna be bitching yeah absolutely yeah can't wait for that should we talk about a little show <laughs> i think we even told everyone we were doing cats last episode didn't we I think we announced it. And yeah, then we did. And then we're we went down. For and then we cancelled the podcast for four months. Yeah. Okay. So I honestly, like, I remember before lockdown was announced, I knew that I had to do my cat's research. And so Shane and I, like, we sat down with a movie and I was like, I had the document open on my computer. I was like, oh, typing, like, I was typing through sand. And then once lockdown happened, we didn't record a podcast. Yeah. So I didn't do any research. Yeah. And honestly, it was like pulling teeth doing this research yeah. because I have such a bad attitude about cats. Yeah. I'm going to say, spoiler, that attitude has slightly changed. Oh, yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be the Debbie Downer that everyone expects about cats. I'm sorry. If you've come here for me to just bitch about cats, I will do that for half the podcast, <laughs> but that is it. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about, like, your history with the show? Yeah, so I was meditating on this and actually the first sort of introduction to cats in my brain was watching the nanny oh oh <laughs> so because he like, was a producer yeah on it. so is the that ongoing right? joke is that like mr sheffield is it was a big broadway producer and yeah. he but he passed up the opportunity to be a producer on cats because he thought it was shit okay so part of the ongoing joke is when people mention cats and angelo yeah. Webber, he gets really shitty because he missed like this huge financial That's opportunity right. yeah so I think my introduction to it was always that Mr. Sheffield thought it was a piece of trash, so I thought it was a piece of mm. trash. So because I was in love with Mr. Sheffield, yes. I would disagree with whatever he said. <laughs> Side note, because I used to watch Caroline in the City as well. Oh, yeah. And one of the characters in that was in Cats. That was her job. She was, was a dancer in Cats. Okay, I cannot overstate to those very young people listening how much of in the vernacular Cats yeah, was in, in the, the 90s. 90s. It yeah. was just everywhere. And I actually read a thing recently that said, like, apparently it's becoming really kind of common for people to sort of reference Hamilton like that oh, yeah. in TV nowadays. It was honestly like I, I didn't end up listing them all because it was too much, but every single television show in the 90s featured some reference to Cats. Yeah. It was generally scathing. <laughs> like it really was. It's so funny. But it was just like the butt of everyone's jokes yeah. and that was the musical. That was the musical. Yeah. Interesting. So it was definitely the nanny but also um, 
I remember also I used to babysit for my second cousins or like my first cousin's kids and they had the like the movie Yes. You know how like the film, but it was yeah. it was filmed yeah. in a theatre, that one, um, and they loved watching it. Yeah, And right. I was probably like, I, I don't know, I must have been like 12 or 13, watching it with them being like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like what is, and they were just mesmerised. It was like hypnosis, mm. which is part of what I will talk about. <laughs> What's your introduction to it? Yeah, so like I will start off by mm. saying that Cats is just, it's not, it's not a show for me, yeah. right, on any level. Well, it's not a musical. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But I'm also not one of those people who cannot. Un- you know how like a yes. lot of a lot of musical theatre people are like, how can Cats be so many like be so successful? I will tell you the reasons why. Yeah, exactly. it's very like, clear. I, I, I actually I I understand it, yeah. and and also I think a lot of those people are not musical theatre people, yeah. or they're dancers, right? Yeah. I know a lot of dancers who love this show, right? Yeah. Because of you know it's and also like. At the time, the choreography was groundbreaking. Groundbreaking, right? you know. So much of this show is groundbreaking. Yeah, but so I first saw it when they did the big top tour in yeah. Australia, <laughs> uh, which I believe was about nineteen ninety nine or two thousand. Yeah. So I would have been like twelve, thirteen years old. Sure. Um, it was called Cats Run Away to the Circus. That's what the tour was called, <laughs> and it was a, it was a circus adaptation of the show. It was in a big top, and it came to Gosford. Yes, which is like crazy, so incredible when you think about it, yeah. isn't it? Like I. I you know, for anyone who um, is listening to this podcast and doesn't understand the area that we live in, it's literally like it's we're, we're an hour and a half from Sydney. You know, like, like yeah, it's regional. Like we're and not also like, in 1999, it would have been a very small population of the Central that's Coast. That's right. Like, very true as well. Yeah. Like much smaller. Mm. Um, I later saw the Broadway revival in 2016. Nice. Which was, I guess, my first time seeing the show, like in a proper Prozarch theatre, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, and it, definitely confirmed that the show is not for me like I was like I was like okay I'm gonna see it properly yeah no this is not my cup of tea but I still get it I get it why people love it it's interesting that the revival was in a prosage considering the show was never supposed to be sorry just like a traditional theater it wasn't it was um had they built a thrust for it yes yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. so when I say that just like a traditional theater yeah yeah still very much yeah coming into the audience and everything I will say like I enjoy, like, sometimes I listen, I don't know why, but sometimes I listen to some songs from this show. Yeah. And, like, I love the opening number of this. Absolutely. It's, it's We've one of my favourite earworms. Yes. Like, I, yeah, I love Jellicle songs for Jellicle Cats. Yeah. Yeah, is that absolutely. the name of it? I don't yeah, even really know. Yeah. I don't know the lyrics either. I sing along to it. I'm like, Jellicles, Cannon, Jellicles, <laughs> Jellicles. Say words. It's just Jellicles. Yeah, absolutely. All the time. Yeah. It's fucking catchy, man. It really is. Um, um, do you want to tell us about the story? Yeah, well, let me just give you some, just that I do this in, when I talk about musicals. It's uh, Cats is a 1981 through sung musical mm-hmm. based on T.S. Eliot's 1939 poetry collection. I'm sure you will talk about this too. That poetry collection was titled Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. Yay! Yeah. Uh, music by Andrew Lloyd Webber, lyrics by Trevor Nunn, Richard Stilgo and T.S. Eliot. We've talked about all those people before. We have. It's 40 years old this year. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, Okay, so I'm going to give you two synopses. Yeah. The first one, very short. Let me preface this by saying you you just – it's really hard to tell you a story here because there is no there's no yeah, story. Yeah. That's not the point of cats. No, it's, it's not. It's definitely why those who hate it struggle with it so that's much. Right. Like it's that's why is because you go to see a show you expect a narrative and you cannot. You've got to lose the expectation that there is a coherent plot. Um, it's about music and it's about dancing. But 
there is some sort of tenuous thread, which I will tell you about right now. A tribe of cats compete during the annual Jellicle Ball where one lucky feline will be chosen to ascend to the heaviside layer and be granted a new life. Yep. Now I'm going to give you a more extended <laughs> synopsis with some more gibberish in it. Okay. okay. Still bonkers. The Jellicles, which is a group of cats, yep. a made-up name, they sing and dance about being Jellicles and then they explain their names and who they are while breaking the fourth wall constantly. Here are the main jellicles. There's Asparagus, also known as Gus, the theatre cat, um, Bombalurina, Buster for Jones, Demeter, Grizabella, Jelly Lorem, Jemima, Jenny and Dots, McCavity, Mr. Mistopheles. Yeah. yeah, Jenny and Dots. Sorry, I always get that wrong. Um, oh, it's autocorrected. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mistopheles, Mungo Jerry, uh, Old Deuteronomy, Rumple Teaser, Rum Tum Tugger, Shimble Shanks, and Victoria. Yes, Gimble Shanks. Okay, those are just, there's heaps of others. <laughs> yeah. That's just going to get you going. Those are the sorts of characters we're dealing with here. So the Jellicle Ball begins and we find out that Old Deuteronomy um, is going to choose one of the cats to be reborn into a new life on the heaviside layer. Most of the cats do this little number uh, and, like, try to impress Old Deuteronomy to be chosen um, or they just want to tell their story about who they are and what they do. Um, there are shenanigans and cats do cats things and we eventually find out that Grizabella, she's the glamour cat, is very old and decrepit and she can't do the cat things that the other cats do. Uh, she sings the only song from the show that everyone remembers, which is ironic because it's called Memory. <laughs> um, and then she's chosen to ascend to the heavy side layer at the end. Yeah. That's it. That's pretty much it. All of the shenanigans is what makes up the show. Yes. The bits that I, I skipped because it's all just like, here's a song yeah. about a cat. It, it's a bunch of cats introducing themselves. It's a, it's a song cycle, which is a bunch of cats. Yes. People who are literally pretending to be cats. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. How did, how did that go? Yeah, so it's interesting because I didn't really know a lot about the history of the show, I guess. And it's fascinating. Yeah, it is really interesting. So basically like... Andrew Lloyd Webber, Lord Lloyd Webber, <laughs> he began composing the songs in late 1977 basically as a songwriting exercise. Um, he loved the book, T.S. Eliot's book. Yeah, as when a, he was a kid. Yeah, hey. when he was a kid. Mm. And he just and he also wanted to see if he could write music to like a Existing. predetermined lyric kind yeah. of thing. Um, so that, when we say late 1977, to put it into context, that's like post- Joseph, Jesus Christ, Superstar, Evita yeah. kind of thing. Like those and have happened. To be fair, like none of those have been hugely successful. Yes. Yeah, I guess Superstar, yeah, well, Superstar, you know, had such a funny sort of career. That's it. But well, like it's it, it just when we think of Angelo Webber, we think he's always been Angelo Webber. And in yes. this period of time, he really wasn't. But this is really the, the show. This that, is the yeah, one. The blockbuster kind it's, of thing. I was I was interested by this because previously his songwriting um, process is that he writes music and then sends it yeah. off to have someone write lyrics yeah. to it. So so it's, they're so so separate. Yeah, exactly. So it's a cool exercise to do. And then so they he does Tell Me on a Sunday. Yeah. That gets televised by the BBC in early 1980. And that's a song cycle. Yes. And and he sort of goes, maybe I can do the same thing for cats. Do like a a televised concert anthology was sort do of Do you mean the... for practical cats? Yeah, so at this stage it was called Practical Cats. <laughs> it was first presented as a song cycle at the 1980 Summer Sidmonton Festival, which by the way, we've talked about the Sid Sidmonton Festival for. Sidmonton is literally like it's his property yeah. in the UK. It's like so it's a church on his property um that he's turned into a theater. Yeah. And he kind of invites people to come and watch new stuff there. Like we've talked about like Phantom debut there, like et cetera, et cetera. A lot of his shows do yeah. little like and, and it's not just his fan. stuff, but yeah. it's not like you can buy a ticket, right? Like it's like yeah. he invites people to come and watch things. Yeah. So T. S. Eliot's widow and um 
she was also his literary executor, Valerie, was in attendance and she brought along a bunch of unpublished cat poems. Cat, cat poems. <laughs> um, so one of these was Grizabella the Glamour Cat, um, yeah. which was rejected from the book for being too sad for children. It is very sad. Yes. And, but that really gave him the idea to do a full-blown musical. Like yeah. that was sort of the impetus. Um, so that, yeah, he, after that he decided to turn it into a whole musical basically. Yeah, nice. So it premiered on the in the West End at the New London Theatre on 11th of May 1981. It played a total of 8,949 performances before God. closing on its 21st anniversary, yeah. 11th of May 2002, and the final performance was broadcast live in Covent Garden on an outdoor screen for those who couldn't go, which I think is wonderful, that's by the great. way. Yeah. But, like, 2002, that's pretty modern. Um, <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, it held the record as London's longest-running musical from 1989, when it surpassed Jesus Christ Superstar, yeah. uh, to 8th of October 2006, when it was surpassed by Les Mears. Yeah. It is currently the sixth longest-running West End show after Mousetrap, Les Mears, Phantom, Woman in Black, and Blood Brothers. Yeah. Uh, it so won- does that make it the... Th- the fourth longest running musical, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I won... love that Blood Brothers beats it. I know. <laughs> Incredible, isn't I it? I love that. I know. Uh, it won Best New Musical at the Olivier's that yeah. year and choreographer Gillian Lynn won Outstanding Achievement in a Musical. You know how the Olivier's have funny categories? Yes. Yeah. Is it um, right too that Gillian Lynn is now the only non-royal woman who has a theatre named yeah, so after the, her? So the New London where it was held was renamed the Gillian Lynn Theatre. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, she's the only non-royal – I have it written down somewhere. Yeah, the only yeah. non-royal woman to have a theatre named yeah, after her. Yeah, which is just amazing. Good on her. Yeah. Um, so it then debuts on Broadway on the 7th of October 1982 at the Winter Garden Theatre hmm. uh, with a record-breaking $6.2 million in ticket pre-sales. Jesus. Like it, it was big before it got there kind of thing. It closed on the 10th of September. September 2000 after a total of 15 previews and 7,485 performances. At the time, the musical was found to have an economic impact of $3.12 billion on New York City and had generated the most theatrical jobs of any single entity in Broadway history. That is crazy. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And on 19th of June 1997, it overtook a chorus line to become the longest running show on Broadway history. Um, and it was surpassed on the 9th of January 2006 by Phantom. It is currently the fourth longest-running Broadway show after Phantom Chicago, the Chicago Revival and The Lion King. Wow. Uh, that original Broadway cast was nominated for 11 Tonys at the 1983 Awards, and it won seven. It won Best Musical, Best Book for Long Dead T.S. Eliot. Whoa. Which is amazing, that's isn't it? Cool. Yeah, he won. Best and book. also that's crazy that it would win Best Book yeah. considering there is no book. No book. I know. Best and no score. story. Best Featured Actress for Betty Buckley as Grizabella. Yeah. Uh, best Direction, Best Costumes, Best Sliding Design. Nice. I will say the shows that it beat for Best Musical that year aren't exactly awe-inspiring. <laughs> oh, what are they? So it's uh, Blues in the Night, oh. Merlin, Merlin, which was a big flop, and My One and Only. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, that was not a big year. No, no. So it was first released as a direct-to-video film that Josephine mentioned before in 1998. It was it was filmed at the Adelphi Theatre in London in 1997 with the cast selected from various past and then-present international productions of Cats. So so I didn't realise that. Like, I always assumed it was, that it like was a just current... a filming of the current West End show. But it's actually, actually really good. It's also cut down yeah. and restaged. So, I actually recommend if you haven't consumed Cats, yes, you consume it this way. This way. Yeah. This, like, so it is a 
pro shot. Like it is. It, um, but it's it, very well it's done. It's shorter. So they did it for television. Yeah. It's 40 minutes shorter than the stage show. Yeah. It's on a completely different set, like, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I actually, I know that sounds weird, but I just had no idea about that. I just assumed it was the show. Yes. I think um, that's a fair assumption. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a, it's actually, yeah, I do recommend it as a way to get Cats India. Absolutely. Mm. So the show has since had two limited run revivals on the West End, both at the London Palladium in 2014 and 2015, and it did pretty well both times. Mm. Um, but because of this, they planned a Broadway revival, which is the one I saw, which opened on the 31st of July 2016 at the Neil Simon Theatre. It ran for 593 performances, which is a decent run for some revivals, but I would say not really for Cats. No, that's a, that's much more than I yeah, expected. Yeah, so it's, it was like a year and a half, basically. Mm. Um, neither the West End or Broadway revivals won any major awards, and in fact, that Broadway revival was not nominated for a single Tony. Jeez. Yeah, so like not even Best Revival. Yeah. Um, obviously it has toured all over the world. Everywhere. Many productions lasting for like years and years. Mm -hmm. It first came to Australia in 1985 um, and it has had several revivals here since, most recently in 2015. But I do especially want to mention the Japanese language production uh, by the Shiki Theatre Company, which has been playing continuously since it premiered in Shinjuku, Tokyo in November 1983. Oh, shit. Yeah. So as of 2019, the show is performed at the purpose-built Cats Theatre in Tokyo. (laughs) And it has played over 10,000 performances to over 10 million audience members. That's amazing. No wonder Angelo Weber is so rich. <laughs> Ridiculous, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, then we get to the film, 2019. Wait, I don't know if I'm ready yet. <laughs> can I just have a drink of water? You can. I, I'll talk a little bit. So the, it's directed by Tom Hooper <laughs> and features James Corden, Judy Dench, Jason Derulo, Idris Elba, Jennifer Hudson, Ian McKellen, Taylor Swift and Rebel Wilson. So, like... A very mixed. Some pretty fucking famous people, though, right, obviously. Yeah. Uh, it was a box office bomb. It grossed about $75 million That's what it deserved. And is estimated to have lost Universal Pictures approximately $114 million. Oh. Yeah. So uh, I uh, we saw it. Um, <laughs> you on, saw it at the cinemas, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. So, like, Boxing Day, like, when it came out, Boxing Day, what was it, 2019, and went to go see it in gold class and – Literally, like four minutes into the film, there was a a centre wide blackout, and and like everywhere lost, lost electricity. Like you four taken minutes that into as... The, as a, as a sign, yeah. right? Yeah. So in the end, we had to go back a different day and see cats again. I love that you actually went back a different day. I know. Well, we're only four minutes in. Yeah. Did you know that Angelo Weber had to get a therapy dog after that, that's this? That's come out recently, hasn't it? And now he's obsessed with his therapy dog, though. So yeah, it makes me happy. How, that's how awful this was. I just even the person who made this awful show hated the film so much. They so needed a therapy dog. Yeah, like for me. So for me, um, the two biggest issues with the film are the CGI. Yeah. And the use of live singing. So yes. Tom Hooper obviously used the live singing in Les Mis. Which, as I've discussed, is a terrible, terrible mistake. But worked more for Les Mis than it def- – like, like, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't think it was necessarily the right thing for Les Mis either. But in terms of concepts, it works more for that show than it does for a – fucking dance show, Okay, but right? I think just because something terrible has something worse to compare it to doesn't make that terrible thing okay. Like, no, okay. So what I he did was bad. Yeah. What he did was bad from the yeah. beginning. This was definitely worse. Doesn't make Les Mis any better. But just that idea of going, okay, 
We're going to do this live singing thing when they're also having to dance full out. And, of course, we're going to have to cast dancers good enough so the singing is not going to be going to be as strong, especially when you've also got, like, all these movie stars in I know, it. I know. We So we tried twice to watch it. Yeah. We didn't finish it yeah, because, like with all the other things I've mentioned, I just don't have I, – I value my life too much. I value my time. <laughs> to watch the cats film. Yeah, I'd rather re- re-watch How Buffy. How far through did you get – we got to we got to Rebel Wilson's song. What's that, Jenny and Jenny, yeah, Annie, Jenny Dots? Annie Dots? And I was yeah. like, "Fuck this!" It was also terrifying when she like terrifying. Oh, there was so many. I mean, the film it was, is it was stressful to yeah, watch. It really is. I haven't seen it since I saw it at the cinema. Obviously, so I know, and I'm going to talk about this a bit. That this is a show that children generally enjoy. Do not let your child watch no, this watch film. The cats it will, film. They will have nightmares. Definitely watch it's the, like reading them The Moon's Revenge. Definitely watch the made for TV one. Definitely, instead. yeah. If you're going to show them cats. Please don't um, do it to them. And then, yeah, my other thing is the CGI mm. meant that, like, the limbs don't look real. I know. So, like, when dancing is such a big focus of the film, it just really meant that that element wasn't present at all because it was all, like, it looked like CGI. So it, it just fake. didn't look like they were even really dancing. And, the, and you know, the, the girl who, um, you know, played the, is it was it, um, Oh no! What they made the one they made Victoria, the yeah, white Victoria. Cat, they made the lead for the film. Kind of tried to give her more of a story. Mm. Gave her the extra that new song. song, yeah. And she was like this principal of the you know of the royal ballet or whatever. Beautiful dancer, yeah. But she didn't look it because it but, looked fake. But it looked fake because you know. Yeah. It I was, was reading like, this article about the technology and how like the technology didn't really exist, and so like the studio worked really hard to develop the technology. And this person writing the article was like, and some would argue that the technology still doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, it was so bad. It was just – and it was such a shame. And and I think the hard thing – I remember talking to people after it came out and I was like, honestly, it didn't need to be – like, But why another... couldn't they just be people in cat suits like the musical is? And I guess that they're like, well, that already exists, right? Like that and then film... why did we need it? Exactly. Well, because they wanted to make money and, unfortunately, they lost a bunch of money instead. No, not unfortunately. That is a lesson. <laughs> oh, it was – Okay. Yeah. Can I tell you a bit about the music? Yeah, let's go. Just really briefly. I um so the, like the way I feel about Angelo Weber is quite complicated, which anyone who listens to this podcast will know. Yeah. Um I'm happy to say he's a really clever music man, yeah. right? Like He knows how to write an earworm. Yeah. So yes, I sort of hate cats, but I can really appreciate that it is art. It's art. Mm. Like it, it's um like Joseph Cats uses a range of musical styles because yes. it's really Which relying. he loves doing. He loves doing and he does well. Um, because Cats really relies on the music to engage the audience because there is no story, each character has like a different genre basically. Yeah. It's much more subtle than in Joseph. So Yes, Joseph is quite like stark. Yeah. Um, there's so like Rum Tum Tugger has a rock song. There's like an aria slash ballad slash 11 o'clock number for Grizabella. Um, Old Deuteronomy does basically an anthem and there's like this musical romp for Gus the Theatre Cat. Um, so like I said, the the stars are sort of harder to pin down than in Joseph but there are definite shifts each song which I think is part of its genius because without a story there's got to be some sort of, like he's yeah, got to change like it up. Movement, there's yeah. got to be. Um, he does use recurring motifs really well. Um, as we know, like, it's probably why this show somehow fits together rather than just being a bunch of songs about cats. Yeah. Um, lots of really lovely melodic fragments of memory come through throughout 
like he uses sort of preludes and and lovely reprises throughout the show. Like yeah. it is, it's stitched together very well. Yeah, in a way that a lot of other song cycles don't do. No, like I'd say this isn't this isn't a musical in the traditional sense. It probably isn't even. It shouldn't be called a musical. It's yeah. definitely like a review or a song cycle. Yeah, but it's just stitched together musically very cleverly. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, to some degree, I would argue that it it is a musical. It's just that the plot is the most thin plot you could have yeah. kind of thing. I don't know. Like I don't if, think yeah. you have to because it's not like, it, yeah. Like, I, but I mean, why I know isn't song, it a song cycle then? Yeah, well, I guess because there is still a plot, right? Like, but, um, we, like think about song and dance. There's a plot there. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's true. I also just think obviously the term song cycle has evolved a lot since this show came out. Yes. It's probably the biggest difference, right? Yeah, I think so. I think. Yeah, I think it can't really be categorised, but to expect ex- to expect a musical in the way that we expect a musical is not fair when you go see Cats. No. Like you really, you're not going to be transported to some sort of story. You're not going to yeah. understand what's happening. Characters still go through things throughout the show. Like obviously Grizabella yeah. like has a journey, a journey throughout the show, right? A lot of the other characters don't. No, it's true. Like Grizabella <laughs> has, but maybe not even really. Yeah. She just gets rejected a lot. Whereas obviously a there's a lot of song cycles which literally are just songs around a theme, right? Yeah. 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 So. It's yeah, so, but I feel like just flat out saying like it's a piece of crap is really it's just silly. Well, like, it's silly, and it's also just I mean, I mean, I always strive to understand why an audience would like something mm. if I don't like it, you mm. know? Yeah, and, and again, you know, like I, I also go back to I can see why dancers, especially dancers who were coming of age when Cats was yeah. very popular, yeah. would love this show because, the, as we said, like the choreography and the dancing was revolutionary. It was actually one of the things that I found most disappointing when I saw the 2016 yeah. revival because they reworked some of it but, like, not all of it. Was of it was more hip-hoppy, wasn't it? Like, well, like a, a few little more. bit but not, but not really. But the biggest thing was, like, what we expect to see in modern choreography now is a completely different thing than yeah. it was back yeah. then. And so I just think... Yeah, like like late eighties and what was impressive is so different yeah. to what we think is impressive now in terms of dance. Yeah. And and so it, it just does feel very dated now as well. Yeah. And I think that was a big part of the issue with the revival. Yeah, I think that's true. I think too, like in terms of the music being dated, like it relies a lot on synths. Like it's it's very it sounds very eighties. Yeah. And um like I, I know in the revival they did reorchestrate some sections, but it was still really it just yeah. still sounded very much like cats from yes, the eighties. Exactly. And yeah, I don't I don't know. I it's not that I think we're a more sophisticated audience in that we can't enjoy cats. Like I think there are there is a way for a modern audience to enjoy cats. Like yeah. I think the things that were enjoyable then could still be enjoyable now. Yeah. It just needs to be updated in those ways. Exactly. Um, because, and I don't know if you don't mind talking about this now, but I'd love to talk about why people love it. Mm. And Absolutely. Like I have some theories. I think a big part of it is actually the lack of plot. Like yeah. I think it is really accessible to all manner of people. Like it's accessible to people who don't speak English. Yeah, I, and that has been a big thing that I have always argued about Cats as well is that like people don't realise, especially like the Broadway and West End audience, of how much of that is non-English speaking yes. tourists. Um, and 
And therefore, for those people, it's like, well, that's that you are understanding it on a different level, yes, than than if you were to go see, you know, Carousel, yeah, like, exactly, you know, and have to really know what's going on with the characters. Yes, and you don't have to, you don't have to watch like actors act out a scene together with between songs. That's right. There's something happening all the time in Cats, and yes, at the time, the dancing was incredibly impressive, yeah. and it was really the first time that a show like this, a, a really dancing heavy show like this, had happened. And like, as you said, like kids loving kids, it as well like yes. I think that was a bit of an a new thing at the time as yes. well that was a surprise we they there was never really like a family show you didn't go as a family yeah. to see a show like this yeah exactly um I found it interesting just how many like how how many times it's been done in other countries yep. and how many languages it's been translated into yeah. because of that like yeah, I think exactly. I've got the list somewhere let me just find it it's like 11, 10 or 11. Like languages. 10 languages. So it's been translated into Japanese, German, Hungarian, Norwegian, Finnish, Dutch, Swedish, French, Spanish and Italian. Yeah. Did you know, interestingly, despite this, the title is rarely translated. Like it's always called Cats yeah. in English. That makes sense to me. Yeah. But like it just... You just cannot discount how an audience doesn't always want to go and sit and and look at a a story, like a heavy emotional story or or something that is complex. Well, like we talked about with Starlight Express being so popular in Germany. It's a spectacle. um, Yeah, when we, when you know, that production that's been running there, when we talked about that that musical, it's kind of a similar thing. Like it's like not everyone has the same appetite for theatre that we necessarily do. And we have to understand, like, it's really important to understand why and how, basically. Yeah. And, like, this show began the blockbuster show. That's right. this was the first blockbuster show. And, in fact, I was going to talk about this. So, like, you know, specifically related to my professional life, right? So... Um, the the marketing company DeWinters designed the original logo and poster of this show, which really birthed musical theatre merchandise as it exists today. So, you know, we've talked about before with some of these big Cameron Mackintosh shows, like that thing. So it's obviously just the cat's eyes is the logo. Phantom is the phantom mask. Les Mis is little Cosette, like et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, and because – so Cats was the first of these. And, and it's so, such an eye-catching design. Exactly. And so because that logo was so easy to put on, like, T-shirts and other items and so recognisably the show, like um, – so, like, the company that I work for, Playbill in Australia, had only really done, like, souvenir programs before Cats came to Australia. Um, but because they had done merchandise for it on Broadway and the West End, it was like, well, we should do it in Australia as well. Yeah. And it was really the first show that did that. And, in fact, the official Cats T-shirt became the second best-selling T-shirt in the world in the 1980s, second only to the Hard Rock Cafe T-shirt. Yeah. Incredible. I, when I read that fact too, I was like, oh, I remember. I remember that shirt yeah, being everywhere. everywhere. And you just knew a black it was just shirt. black and it had those two eyes. Exactly. Those two like um, and yellow. Ca- and cats. And cats, the yeah. word cats. Yeah. I found it interesting that before that, because why why this marketing was so genius is that before that a lot of the marketing would have like a quote from, from a, like a critic's review. Yeah. And so this, there's a lot of rhetoric around, this is the first time that musicals sort of left being reliant on critic on critics and on reviews mm. and, and became like a brand on its own. And so this yeah. is where the, this mega musical idea started is that musicals were taking charge of their own image and their own advertising yeah. and weren't relying on, you know, it, it's like people call it a critic-proof show because mm. it was very clearly not interested in in buying into that. And also like didn't need stars as well. Like, no. Like the, the, the show's the star, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have some other, like, little facts. Yeah, I do too, yeah. Uh, let me just – okay, starting from the top. 
I actually, one of the other things I really do appreciate about this show is that I actually think it's really clever to adapt poems into songs. Yeah, absolutely. Like when you think about it, it makes a shit ton of sense. Mm. Like it's it's there ready to go. Um, They're already lyrical most of the time. That's yeah. it. And so like maybe I do think that poems about cats was not the most inspired choice, but T.S. Eliot like pretty much wrote song lyrics. Yeah. And so it's it's really clever and it's something that, I don't know why we don't have more of that, like more poems. It's very of, true. I, yeah, and I guess... I guess it's one of those things where it's like for a lot of people the poems would have to be in the um, public domain. Yes. Unless you were going to, you know, license Pay them, them yeah. which the, obviously they have in this case yes, kind of thing. that's right. But, yeah, it is an interesting one. Yeah, it just it was only when I was sort of reading about it, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm. Um, I also wanted to say that the two songs that I find the least offensive in this show, so that is um, Memory and Jellicle Songs for yeah. Jellicle Cats, were not from the original collection no. of poems. So the original collection, the um, what's it called, the old something of Practical yeah, Cats. Yeah, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. Yeah, so those two songs were inspired by other poems by T.S. Eliot. They were titled Rhapsody on a Windy Night, on a Windy Night and Polycool Dogs and Jellicle Cats. Yeah. I found it interesting too that T.S. Eliot, I hate, I don't actually know where he's from, but he's not British. Oh, isn't he? No, so he it famously like was sort of saying because he's not British. He when he showed up in England, um, he was just sort of amazed at how people spoke, and it was really posh, and they sort of mumbled things. Right. And there's some sort of famous phrase that when he heard people say it, he heard polical dogs and jellical cats. Oh, okay. And that's where it came that's from. Cool. Yeah. And so yeah, that one, which is the opening number, um, Trevor Nunn and. Um, and Richard Stilgo, they wrote the, like, the other lyrics for that and yes. memory. Yeah. And because Richard Stilgo wrote um, Phantom, the lyrics Phantom, for Phantom. Yeah. 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 I thought that was interesting. Um, and I also thought it was worth pointing out that one of Trevor Nunn, the director's stipulations for agreeing to direct the show, was that Judy Dench would be cast yes. in, the, in the original. What happened to her? She, like. Yeah. So she, she was due to play. She was Grizabella, Grizabella wasn't she? and Jenny Anydol. That's right. That was a dual role originally. Like it's so funny how these like things it's, come about. That would not happen now. Um, and she ha- she snapped her Achilles tendon. That's right. Um, like a one week before the first preview and had to drop out. So her understudy Myra Sands replaced her as Jenny Anydol, and Elaine Page agreed to take over the role of Grizabella. Yeah, the show would have been so different having a Grizabella so and Jenny Anydol. But. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Elaine Page, but that's a like that's yeah. iconic. Yeah, you know? absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And it's interesting then that Judy Dench came back for Old Deuteronomy. I in know the, in the film. In the film, um, I Full found circle. this this very interesting. Richard Armitage, who I would happily run away with, yes, played McCavity on the West End in 1994. Did he? Yeah. Oh, you love yourself some Richard Armitage. Do I ever? I thought this was a great fact. So. Um, Karen McIntosh really struggled to raise the £450,000 like originally needed yeah. to do it in the West End because, like, everyone was very sceptical, right, yes. of the show's premise and didn't want to back it. So Andrew Lloyd Webber personally underwrote the musical, took out a second mortgage on his house for the down payment of the theatre and basically later recalled was like, if Cats had failed, he would have been ruined. He would have been ruined. Yeah. Um, so the remaining capital was raised by small investments procured from 220 individuals through newspaper advertisements. Yes. And after the musical became a massive hit, the rate of return for those investors was estimated to have exceeded three and a half thousand percent. Yes. Let's talk about the finances actually. Yeah. So three and a half thousand percent is just insane, right? Yeah. An insane rate of return. Um, as of 2012, I don't have more recent numbers, the New York Times estimated that Cats had grossed $3.5 billion worldwide. Oh, my God, yeah. Which is just a lot of money. Um, 
And what is what else is interesting is that royalty payments basically kept the independent publishing house Faber and Faber afloat. So they were the publishing house who originally published T.S. Eliot's work. Oh. Um, and they had like were basically going bankrupt and they got a cut of obviously the royalties yeah. and stayed alive. So similarly, royalty payments to T.S. Eliot's estate were estimated to be around $100 million oh, yeah, it's, that's by incredible, 2012, yeah. which is just like, whoa. Yeah, it's that's crazy. amazing. <laughs> um, it's worth mentioning that there was a song in the original called Growl Tiger's Last Stand which is like quite racially offensive yes um the the original lyrics which were taken directly from the elliot poem included the ethnic slur chinks and that was later replaced with the word siamese um it also the number originally involved the cast putting on uh they refer to them as asian accents Mm. like to portray the cats Um, so by 2016 that that song has been removed completely from both the uk and the us productions of the show yeah good Uh, as, as it should be obviously of course yeah um, another little fun fact, Liz Calloway played Grizabella on Broadway for like seven years in the 90s. Yeah, I think I knew that. It's She'd be so casting. good, yeah, yeah. So then uh, my first instinct is to be like, oh, but she can't really dance. And then like, well, Grizabella doesn't have Grizabella to. Grizabella does not have to dance. That's well, the whole was, point. She can't. It was Nicole Scherzinger from the Pussycat yes. Dolls. I mean, she could dance. She but, She's a Pussycat Doll. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but yeah, in the that West End There's one. been some awesome Grizabellas. Like I saw Lilius White has been Grizabella. Yeah. I think it was probably one of those ones that people stepped into yeah i think so yeah yeah and and, to, and like you know let's give credit where credit's due like jennifer hudson sings the shit out of it in the film yeah she's a great choice yeah, she's she she really does like yeah she, she puts she's got a beautiful in. voice um the 2014 london revival introduced several modernizations and the, the new orchestrations that josephine mentioned to the show so rum tum tugger they they turned that like rock star thing into a break dancing street cat <laughs> um so his number was turned into a rap um, a bit of a questionable idea anyway, <laughs> but the, both the 2015 Australian tour and there was a Paris production 2015 used the new version, but the Broadway revival didn't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, something that I sort of hadn't considered, but this is sort of the only musical I can think of that does so many descriptive, like explaining ensemble numbers. Yeah. So it's really common in musical theater for the opening number of a show to like describe what's about to happen or what the show is about or where we are. So think like comedy tonight and tradition yes. from Fiddler on the Roof and like another opening, another show. But this happens, Cats has four of these songs. Yeah. So it ha- it co- it's constantly like celebrating or reminding you of the fact that it's a show about cats. Yep. And like here are the cats and we are the cats yes. and we're doing cat things. Like there's so many of those songs, um, which is either like it's either really self-aware or incredibly unaware. Yeah. I don't know which it is. But yeah. it's, it's just a strange like it's strange in the formula of musical yes, theatre. absolutely, mm. absolutely. Yeah. Um, this will always be my favourite Cats-related anecdote. Ready. Um, this is from Hal Prince, um, <laughs> and I'm going to quote him because it's the easiest way. So he said, after I did a Vita, Angelo Weber asked me to come to the apartment to hear his next score, and it was Cats. And I heard it and I said, Andrew, I'm the wrong guy to direct this. It's very English, right? Grizabella is Queen Victoria and Munkerstrap must be Gladstone and another one must be Benjamin Disraeli. And he just took the longest sigh in the world and said, Hal, it's just, just about cats. cats. <laughs> I, I, it's like my one of my favourite anecdotes of all time. I think that should have been the tagline. Yeah. It's just about cats. It's just about cats. Yeah. Because that, that is it. Yes. It's just about cats. But like that, that's that's where people get tripped up. Yeah. Exactly. You, you're not, do not look for deeper exactly. meaning here. 
Um, <laughs> do you have any more fun facts? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. Um, I think I was meditating on why I my instinct is to hate this musical. I think it's because as a younger person – it was. It's actually quite unattainable in the world of dance. Like, yeah. So you say, yeah, the dancing is actually dated, but but super hard. So hard. Yeah. So unlike like a chorus line, for example, where you really just have to nail that opening number, which mm. is not an easy feat mm. for sure. But this show is a slog. It's generally considered to be the hardest show to dance in musical yeah, theatre. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what was interesting is that I didn't know this, but there was a perception at the time that, like, the West End and sort of Britain generally couldn't dance like Broadway. Oh, so, like, interesting. So, like, why would why would you do a dance show in, in the UK? Like, you can't yeah. dance. So this was the first real demonstration of British ability to actually dance and choreograph. And there was a lot of rhetoric at the time that, like, they shouldn't have had a British person choreographing. Like, how would they know what to do? Yeah. Um, so the choreography is really great. Um, Gillian Lim. Gillian Lim. Who also about. choreographed Phantom. Yeah. And, yeah. But it features ballet and modern and jazz and tap, obviously newer styles, as Ruth has mentioned, um, and has acrobatics as well. There's just lots of the choreo involves the physicality of cats, which is cool, but, like, as a non-incredibly dancing musical theatre performer, I look at it and I'm like, oh, I, I could never be in Cats. Yeah. I could never do you that. You could be Grisabella. I could be Grisabella. Yeah. I'm in the right age for Grisabella. You're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, dear is right. Yeah. Um, I don't have any more fun facts. Oh, I've got heaps more. Go for it. Okay. Um, the original production staging was quite groundbreaking. Yes, it was. Yeah. Because, like, so the, it wasn't in a pros arch. Which is which was groundbreaking really at the yeah. time. So it was sort of it was sort of in the round and it had like a rotating stage yeah. originally. Um, this is why I think it translated really well to in the big top, like yeah. which we saw touring around the world a lot. Um, it's it's made I think it's sort of the first musical that really made like a more immersive audience experience. Yes, definitely. And it does need to be, I think, in in not a traditional theatre in that sense. Yes. Like, um, yeah, it, it was just like a lot of, there's a lot more to Cats and why it's popular than, than the actual show itself. A lot of shit went on behind the scenes. Like the staging was groundbreaking, the set design, the costume design, like all of this stuff that was sort of doing new awesome things at the time yeah. to bring together. It was like a perfect storm. Um, I also wanted to talk about some of the critical reception at the time. Excellent. Very mixed. Yes. Very mixed, which I find telling. So we talk a lot about why these huge blockbuster musicals are beloved by audience. And I think this is, like I've said, just an example of not a very good musical being accessible to everyone. Yeah. So a lot of the critics are like, yeah, it's 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 a show. Like, yeah, it's fine. It's probably, you pr- probably need to watch it, but it's not very good. Like a lot of the critics were actually like, it's unmissable, but terrible. Yeah. Which is just interesting to yeah. me. But obviously the audiences were not audiences who read no, critical reviews right. of musicals. So yeah. Interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what I didn't know was that Cats is generally considered to be the musical that paved the way for jukebox musicals. Oh, I, yeah, I've not heard that. So it was pretty much the first musical to just be about the songs and not the story, um, mm. which, as we know, a lot of mu- jukebox musicals lack story. Yeah, but yeah. it's generally sort of believed to be that they're just paving the like way. Like the gateway. Yeah, which yeah. is interesting. Um, this was the first musical where the entire cast was fitted with radio microphones. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Which is now an industry standard. But yeah. Yeah, there's, I suppose they're just jumping around a lot or something yeah. that they couldn't really rely on, like, ambient, I yeah. don't know. But also because the, the theatres, like, at the time, 
I think a lot of like people who weren't amplified in on stage, they were relying on like the um, uh, acoustics of theatres, like theatres were built so that you could... Um, you could hear sort of everyone on stage, but they did a lot of remod, like modifying of the theatre at yeah. the time. So it sort of needed. Well, and the new London's like this big cement building. Yeah, uh, and when you have a thrust too, that really messes with the acoustics yes, of, a, of a stage. True. So well, and I guess because the band was so synthed as well, right? That's true. So they were already quite already amplified. Mic'd, yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. But now that is complete industry standard. Yeah. Like everyone is mic'd. Um, so the set is designed to be two to three times larger than the cats. Yes. So they look like little cats. Yeah, it's a great idea. Something it works on they... stage, works less well on the film. Oh, my God, they did it so bad in yeah. the film. It was not like two to three times bigger. It was a very strange What was that ratio? Ratio, like, yeah. They did not look like normal-sized cats. No. It was so weird. Very strange. Um, this is fun. Apparently the Broadway production used 1,300 kilos of yak hair to make wigs. Oh, good oh. What even is a yak? Yeah, isn't it? You know, it's like <laughs> I don't know how to describe <laughs> it. It's like it's it's like a I can see one. In it's my like head. a four legged beast, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. But like wh- where do you get where do you get yaks from? Probably like Iceland. <laughs> I don't know enough about it. Somewhere in Europe. Can someone tell us? <laughs> um what else do I have to say? I thought I had more, but maybe I don't. I'm going to link to a few different um, cast recordings. Oh, yes, please. So uh, on Spotify is the original Broadway cast. Yes. The original London cast. Do you know what was sad this morning because I was trying to listen to it? Neither of those albums would load and I was like, oh, damn. (laughs) What a shame. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then the highlights from the movie soundtrack. Which is no songs. It's just empty. There's no highlights. They didn't redo any of the recent revivals. there's not really any point. Nothing I guess really. Not. Although the new orchestration. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. It's a it's an interesting one. Um, so what are your um what are your gateways? Just Jellicle songs. It's just Jellicle songs. No, not memory. Not just memory. Jellicle songs. <laughs> and yeah. by the way, I think its t- official title is Prologue Jellicle Songs for Jellicle Cats. Yes, it is just that song. Okay, so I'm gonna link I've got three. I relied on you to have yeah. more. <laughs> I, I agree. The Jellica song, it's Jellica so Cats. good. It's such a good song. It's a great song. I love that song. Um, Memory is my second one. You would. Obviously. And then Mr. Mistopheles. I get yeah. that in my head a lot, Mr. Mistopheles. If I was going to have a second one, it would have been that one. Yeah. Shane was singing that today and he, every time he realised that he was singing it, he got really mad. <laughs> I was like, I hate cats. Yeah. And then he, he was so funny as I was researching. He was like, I just don't want you to even have to do this. You shouldn't have to spend time talking about cats. I'm like, Shane, you don't even know enough about cats. He's going to listen to this episode and learn so much. My goal is even though I'm, I still feel very meh about cats is to at least soften him a little bit yeah. about cats. Yeah. I just think it's worth as musical theatre nerds for us to understand why one of the most successful musicals in is, history is so successful. That's it. I think that's really important. We, we need to understand why Cameron McIntosh and Andrew Lloyd Webber are so rich. Are billionaires. So rich because of this. Yes, exactly. Like just stop turning your nose up at it yeah. because you're just jealous. Yep. You didn't think of this trash exactly. show that is just about cats. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I know. Did you know that um, there was some – I don't know if this is true, but apparently it could have been about dogs. Like it was, there was oh, right. at the very beginning, it was like it could be about dogs, but 
but it was decided that they just didn't really have the sort of. Well, cats are more dancey as well. I yeah, they just sort of pr- prance around. Yeah. What would a musical about dogs be about? It'd just be like about, I don't It'd be know. them loving everyone. <laughs> That's it. There'd be no conflict. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cats are assholes. They really are. Yeah. And a lot of the cats in this show are assholes. It's true. It's true. <laughs> well, I hope everyone enjoyed us talking about cats. Did you enjoy it, Reeve? I did. I really Jellicle did. songs, angelical songs. I enjoyed talking songs, about musicals angelical with you for the first songs. time in four and a half months. That's for sure. Yeah. Now, do we want to talk about what is happening from here on? Yeah. Out? So Josephine and I, um, it's episode fifty. We've decided to change things up from now on. Yeah. And um, from next episode, yeah, next full episode, we are only going to cover one show at a time. Yeah. So we decided that look. It's mainly my fault because we're, <laughs> we're getting to the stage where I just hate all the musicals. And do you really want to listen to me just say like, well, here's a musical, I guess. I think some people will be like, yes, we do. <laughs> I will still hate some of the musicals, but at least you'll have Ruth to balance out we my also, hatred. We also realised that there was a bunch of musicals that we were probably never going to cover because we neither hated them or loved them, but they were really famous. Oh, no, I hate any. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. Well, I we, want you to be clear about yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like Ooh. there's just a lot of musicals basically that – kind of didn't fall into either us yeah. being passionate about them or not. Yeah. Um, so from next from next episode, yeah, we're just going to basically have a, have a show a week and cover them together. It's mainly that. There's only like a couple Sondheim musicals left. <laughs> and I just we'll I have see to do them. Pacific Overtures next week. <laughs> <laughs> no, it won't be. Um, and we're also going to slightly vary the uh, release schedule yep. um, in this, uh, partly because I'm about to give birth. Um, but basically, like, this full episode will come out. Two weeks later, a mixtape will come out. Yeah. Two weeks later, a full episode will come out. Yeah. So We uh, were testing you. So during lockdown, you survived. Yes. Well done. And now <laughs> we will drip feed you more. That's it. That's <laughs> it. But, yeah, otherwise, we're very excited to be back. Yeah, it's and, good. And um, tune in in two weeks for a mixtape, I guess. Yay, musicals. Oh, we'll have so many movies to talk about. I know. <gasps> I'm so excited for Tick, Tick, Boom and West Side. Okay, but I'm not that excited for West Side. Oh, aren't you? Oh, I don't know. I am. The original. Mm. Anyway, yeah. we can discuss it when we'll it comes discuss. time. We'll discuss. Tick, Tick, Boom, though, forever. Excellent. Mm. Excellent. All right. See you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.